It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, August 16th. The LA Galaxy coming off a 1-0 win over Minnesota United on the road. A great road win. We're going to talk about it, how it was a little bit different than maybe you expected it to be. Craig Vanny rotating some players. Maybe that means more rotation coming up against Colorado on Tuesday night. That's right, it's Monday night. We're less than 24 hours away from the LA Galaxy, kicking off on a very important game against the Colorado Rapids. We're going to talk to you about that as well. All A whole bunch of Galaxy news in between to get to as well. So a lot of things to get to on this wonderful Monday night. We're glad you could join us to help me do all that. He's back. It's the traveling panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Konnichiwa, Joshua. I am, um, man, I, I am still tired. I just flew back from Japan. It's not my arms that are tired. It's everything else. I, it's not jet lag. I think it's just 23 consecutive days of 18-hour work days. Um, I'm just really, I'm suffering. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that, uh, that drags on you. Overall, um, I have to imagine that's an Olympics, Olympic experience unlike others that you have, uh, have covered. Yeah, that's my fourth Olympics. And this one, um, you know, what was weird is... I, I didn't really feel the absence of the fans because we've been covering games here for a year without fans. So, but I, I did notice it made it a lot easier to get around the stadium and you know, like to get to the, <laughs> the seats and there are not, there are no press boxes at international stadiums that you, you sit out in the stands and it was easier to get to our seats and, and to get back and to move around. There was no traffic. So that was the one place where I really noticed the fans weren't there, but um, there was no signage anywhere in Tokyo or very few places you wouldn't have if you were in certain parts of the city, like our hotel was in Shinjuku, and um, you wouldn't even know there was Olympics going on. There was no signage, there was no excitement. That, you know, one t one of the TV networks in Japan had the Olympics, and that was about well, I guess that would be the same here, but right. you know, nothing on the news. I did find this little um, this is the Japanese national team, the Samurai Blue. Okay, found this little guy in the airport, and she's got the uniform on. Not all of the players on the team apparently are bears, but this one is. Gotcha. So I got that. That was exciting. I was going to say, did you did all your shopping as you were leaving the airport? Was that is that how that went? I had some yen that I had to get. Rid of. I had a yen to get rid of yen. So. Um, you know, I didn't want to bring it back. I I understand. That's good. Well, I I, I uh, after last week, I know you were traveling on the Monday night that we were recording. You were actually headed back 
um, and and Larry filled in for you a little bit while you were gone too. And we said we better give you a full week of not talking before because you're going to be crabby. You'll be a crabby panda if we try <laughs> to get you back here. And I think having talked to you throughout the week, I'll say we just slid in under the wire of getting you like semi you know normal as as we get back here. So uh, I know you've been watching some games and doing some stuff. Uh, Galaxy play on Tuesday, a Tuesday night, the only Tuesday night. So we're we're looking at that as well. Uh, I have a cough. I'm sure it will show up sometime today i'm i'm fairly certain it's non uh, it's non-covid related um so everybody can chill about that plus i don't think anybody's worried about me giving it to them through the video so i think that's that's fine um but hey, this so is so speaking of colorado robin frazier former yes. teammate of greg uh greg vanny's yes former chivas assistant yes is he the only black coach in major league soccer no because montreal has a black coach right yeah, because okay. um, so that's but yeah, I mean, there's I uh, there's not more than a handful there, Kevin. It's been one of the uh, the arguments. There have been at times many black players in this league, and somehow that has not translated to many black coaches uh, within this league. So uh, certainly one of those things to to take a look at. But yeah, Robin Frazier. Well, the, the, I think the cool part about it is we're going to talk about it. Uh, is that Robin Frazier and Greg Vanny are former Galaxy teammates. Um, and they're going up against each other. And Greg Vanny had a whole bunch of really nice things to say about Robin Frazier on the media call today. We'll talk a little bit about the media call, give you injury updates, that type of thing as well. Um, so a lot of a lot of fun was sort of had. But you can tell that these two guys, and if you look at just stats straight up, before we even get to Colorado down the road, just be prepared for this. If you look at stats, Colorado and the LA Galaxy are very, very similar across a lot of things. Um, and so I would expect that this is going to be a very tight and difficult game for the Galaxy to play. There's some advantages. We can talk about that. As we sort of get going, um, well, well yeah. think about before we get away from that. I mean, think about Robin Frazier not only played with Greg Vanny, and Greg Vanny gave the impression in today's media call that Robin Frazier was the guy he looked up to. That that Robin Frazier was sort of the, the the alpha male in that kind of relationship. Those two guys played together in central defense for those Galaxy teams at the beginning, but uh, then fast forward, you know, a couple of decades, and Robin Frazier is is Greg Vanny's top assistant. So now Greg Vanny's running the show in Toronto. But certainly there is a lot that those two learn from each other. And I would I would anticipate that the game, uh, that the teams play a very similar style, have a similar philosophy, because those two guys have spent a good part of their professional careers working with one another, um, uh, you know, together in a collaborative way. Greg Vanny being the leader in Toronto and 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 Robin Frazier being the leader when they were with the Galaxy. But of course, you know, they, they're going to share similar philosophies having grown up together. Yeah, you would expect that. And it's just but they also, you know, they, it really shows they, sh they I think they share a really good friendship, too. So it'll just be one of those side notes to the game that happens on a Tuesday night. Um, so we'll get you ready for that. All sorts of fun stuff. Um, the big the, this was fun. I saw this today and it's always nice to go back and listen um, and sort of reminisce a little bit. But uh, as of today, this day in 2011, Kevin, uh, the L.A. Galaxy signed Mr. Robbie Keane, the king himself, King Keno. Uh, came to the LA Galaxy at this time in 2011, and I guess the rest, they say, is history. Uh, three MLS Cups, one MLS MVP. Uh, the guy has some actually pretty incredible numbers just inside of Major League Soccer and with the LA Galaxy. A uh, hundred and, you know, let's see, it says uh, uh, over 10,000 minutes played uh, for Robbie Keane, 83 goals, 45 assists, uh, 399 starts, apparently. Although you, you look at this and like some, this is MLS numbers, Kevin. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, 
Uh, I don't. That think seems that's... like a lot, right? No, no, that's no. shots. That's yeah, starts. is that shots? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay, sure. Three ninety nine. Because then okay. next is yeah. yeah. But then next I mean, was... it, it, he'd be number one in MLS history. What is the... what is SDT? Do we even know what some of these are anymore? Like S, S, yes, that's S O T. That's shots on target. That's an let's O. Go from, let, yes, let's go from left to right here. We okay. have games played. Okay. One twenty five. Game started. One nineteen. Right. Then the minutes you mentioned, 83 goals, 45 assists. Now, 83 goals in MLS action because uh, regular season action with playoffs and and Champions League and other things. He's over 100 goals lifetime uh, in a galaxy in a galaxy kit. Then 399 shots, 189 shots on target. If you look at 189 shots on target, 83 of them going in. Right. It's a pretty good percentage. I mean, in fact, it's a, and then his passing percentage uh, is. Uh, well, yeah, that's, uh-huh. that, yeah, exactly. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right. <laughs> yes, this MLS website. Remember, remember, take but, take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, is sort of how it goes. But the bottom but line that, is, yeah, go ahead. look at that first year. He three three games started, four games played. The first game he didn't start. Um, right. uh, a lot like Zlatan, kind of getting his feet wet. Two goals and an assist and and four starts. Um, three could, shots on target. Two of them go in. Um, the interesting thing. I, I hadn't known about this anniversary, or I, I hadn't thought about it, I suppose, until you brought it up right before the show. And it reminded me a couple, it was, I guess, gosh, it was last year, um, right before David Beckham's team came came into being in MLS and they opened, if you remember, their first game was against LAFC here. I talked to Tim Laiwicki, who was the president uh, of the Galaxy, or well, of AEG at the time, when David Beckham came in, then when Robbie Keane played. Um, and it, he really surprised me. I hadn't really thought about it this way. And I don't know how many people had. He told me David Beckham was not the main signing in those great galaxy teams. David Beckham was important. He was a draw. He was someone to get people to pay attention to the league. It changed the structure of the league because it brought in the Beckham rule, which became DPs. Um, but Tim Laiwicki said that was not what was supposed to make the galaxy great team. He said, David Beckham was a midfielder. He, he, he was not going to change the way the team played. Um, that the, the, to- the signing of Robbie Keane was the key that changed everything. And, and the Galaxy did win three uh, MLS Cups in four years with Robbie Keane. Remember, David Beckham wasn't there, uh, you know, for the last one. Uh, he said Robbie Keane was the guy that really changed it because as good as David Beckham was and he had Landon Donovan in front of him, they needed a, a, a phenomenal goal scorer, which is what Robbie Keane was, a guy who, who just lived and breathed to score goals. Now, Landon scored a lot of goals, but he was not the type of player – Robbie Keane was. Robbie was a, a selfish player, and I mean that in the right way. Right. You know, he was a goal scorer. And t- Tim Laiwicki said when they signed David Beckham, they knew they needed someone like a Robbie Keane to come along. It took them four years to find him. But in Tim Laiwicki's viewpoint, Robbie Keane is really what changed the Galaxy and made the Galaxy that dominant team, not David Beckham. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, if you look at the goal that ends up winning it in 2011, by the way, uh, I think that's a... Uh, a David Beckham to Landon Donovan to Robbie Keane, you know, goal that ends up, you know, making this. It's all three designated players combining, uh, basically to to win the game in 2011. Galaxy repeat in 2012. Uh, Robbie Keane along with uh, Landon Donovan, some others in 2014 as well. So just uh, my best memories of Robbie Keane. I did get to do a one-on-one interview with Robbie Keane, um, and I think I've told this story many times, but uh, I had uh, this was back under a previous administration uh, for, for LA Galaxy Communications, and I had asked, and I said, hey, can I get this person or this person? And one of those people was Robbie Keane, knowing I wasn't going to get Robbie Keane, right? So it was one of those, it was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the other person. That was the whole thing is, Kevin, sometimes you give two, 
and you give one that you don't think you're going to get and then you give one that is less than that and so you expect you're sort of like well you know don't give me Zlatan I, I mean I'd like Zlatan but if I can't have Zlatan then can I talk to Dan Stairs you know it's like you're going to get you're going to get they're going to give you Dan before they give you yeah. Zlatan right the whole deal so I think I was uh, just getting ready to hop in the shower to get ready to head to training um, and I had set this all up and everybody, they were like, whole deal. And so I texted in the morning. I'm like, hey, just let me know who I got so I can prep before I get there. And they're like, and then uh, Justin Pearson at the time, Justin wrote back to me. And he goes, he goes, you got Robbie Keane. So, uh, so we'll see you when you get here. Whole deal. And then I was like, oh, well, I wasn't prepped to talk to Robbie Keane. Like all of a sudden, I think uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, I think I had her outside the shower, like writing down questions as I was like, you know, doing stuff. So that way I would have good questions whenever I wanted to do it. So I sat down. He was great. Uh, I got to meet Robert, his son, who was much younger than he is now. That's for sure. Uh, back in the day. And so I met Robert um, and did the whole thing. And Robbie was gracious and nice and, and really good. About 15 or 20 minute interview for, for Corner of the Galaxy. So it was fun. When? One thing I remember about Robbie Keane was a story Landon Donovan told me when uh, uh, he was talking about when Jossie's artist first started out and everyone could see how talented but raw how uh, Jossie was. And I guess Robbie wanted to, to be part of molding him. But uh, Landon told me he was he would just not stop with the criticism. Everything that Jossie did on the field uh, in training, Robbie would criticize him for. And, and in, in sometimes in vulgar language, sometimes in very salty language. Um, not trying to sugarcoat anything. And and he repeatedly had Jossie on the verge of tears. And it was up to Landon to come in behind him and clean it up. And it was, oh, Robbie doesn't really mean that. And Robbie's only saying that because he thinks he's you're really good. And Robbie is really trying to help you. And Jossie did not see that at the beginning. Uh, and so Robbie even – everybody knows how Robbie was during the games. He wasn't quite Zalatan, but he was – he was very animate and passionate about trying to win. Yes, he but was. Apparently, he was that way on the practice field as well. Yeah, he was. I I, I think there's there's stories and rumors of Robbie Keane whenever his like five aside team didn't win because like he didn't think that they tried hard enough. He would just pick up and leave. He would just walk right off and he would be done. Um, you know, another thing I saw him do. You might have been there too. Was this was before a playoff game? It was the year they won MVP. And a bunch of media people are waiting for him after training. As the players come off the field, you get to talk to them. And But you have to wait. You can't go on to the field in training. Well, Robbie stayed on the field, and he did this a couple of times. As one of the uh, – um, uh, I don't know what you call them. One of, not a ball boy, but one of the Galaxy assistants, the guys that uh, – you know, help with the kits and, and I guess a kit man. Anyway, he's driving a little uh, golf cart around the field, picking up the balls and stuff. And Robbie just had him floor it and go 40 yards up the field. And Robbie would try to kick a ball and land it on the back of the golf cart. I remember and seeing that, that. That was how he practiced his passing. And it was remarkable. Uh, he hit it. He made it every single time yeah yeah he was well i mean this was, was a streaking golf cart from 40 yards away and robbie was right on target a gas powered one by the way too kevin a gas powered streaking golf cart uh for for all that stuff so no he was uh he was an interesting dude so in 2011 the la galaxy signed him uh and then of course he goes on and, and wins three mls cups and an mls mvp so that was just i just wanted to bring that back i'm glad that we got to reminisce a little bit as well um because that's always fun too let's get to some super chats before we talk about the game against minnesota uh marty says uh, a little late but just wanted to wanted to say uh, have a really good show. Uh, what is the over under on how many 7-Elevens Kevin visited in Japan? Don't answer, Kevin. Don't do not answer. Okay, okay you guys can start guessing. How over under? I'm going to set the over under at, and this is going to be a low number. I'm going to set it at two because I know that there was one right across from the hotel, and I imagine that he found one somewhere else while he was traveling. I don't think you went to that many places, so I'm going to say two. So that you're either over or under on that. 
um, is is the, so everybody we'll, we'll let everybody guess for a little while and figure that out. Um, John asks, uh, what's the super chat price for the Studio Keen print? Asking for a friend a lot more than five dollars, John. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Scott also uh, asks and and says um, he gave us a five dollars super chat as well. Uh, asked a good question about Chicharito, uh, and he says. Um, do we, do do I think he says you know does Josh think the Galaxy front office has been disingenuous about Chicha's injury and when does when do I think uh, Chicha actually returns to the pitch I will answer that Scott uh, whenever we talk about Chicha's injury a little bit more um, so I will uh, I will go on there so uh, again the over under on Seven Elevens Kevin visited while in Japan is two you can leave your uh, your guesses in the chat and we will reveal that here in just a little bit I have one under and one over already so we are already I think I set a good a good line on all this. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, let's see. LA Galaxy playing against Minnesota United. Now, let's set this up a little bit, Kevin. This is the first game of three games in seven days. The LA Galaxy traveled to Minnesota, a place where Minnesota hadn't lost since the very first day of May. Um, also, Minnesota had not lost a game. They've only lost one game in their last 13 games. Minnesota was a very good team whenever the LA Galaxy head into them. So when we see a lineup that comes out um, that is definitely a rotated lineup, and good Lord, the panic on social media whenever Jonathan Klinsman started this game, Kevin, woo, I'll tell you. Um, there's some really interesting things about this lineup, but that was the big thing. Everybody's looking at Jonathan Klinsman. Well, why is Jonathan Bond sitting? It's because he had a bad game. It's because he cost the LA Galaxy the game against Vancouver the last time they played, and everybody knows it. And there was just there was a lot of there was a lot of anger over over this. Did you know the Galaxy have had a Jonathan in goal for every game this season? It, absolutely, hundred um, percent. That's that's how it works. Um, but, but look at this lineup. There, there are two players making their Galaxy debut. Correct. Right? Yep. Jovalich is- and and Hamilinen. Yeah, and I wasn't even going to try those names, so thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and then Jonathan Klinsman, um, yep. Jonathan Two, yep, making his season debut. Do you know the Galaxy have had 17 players uh, debut? You know, make their Galaxy debuts this season. And and if you look at this lineup, five of these players weren't even on the team when the season started. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a rotated lineup. You have Jovalich, who made his Galaxy debut, wearing the number 99, sitting up top. Uh, you have Kevin Cabral out on the left-hand side. Sam Grancier on the right-hand side. Efrain Alvarez playing more of an of a central role in this one. Uh, Ravellison uh, playing the defensive side. Sasha Kleshin being the captain and playing that defensive midfielder side. You have Hamalainen, who stood in for Viafania, who is still coming back after a bone bruise. Uh, you had Derek Williams. Koulibaly was in there. And then Julian Araujo with Jonathan Klinsman in there. Now, what this allowed the Galaxy to do, Kevin, and this is the important part, is to give guys a rest, all right? And we cannot, and I said this on Twitter, and this was especially apt, I think, after watching DC United lose um, and watching Atlanta beat LAFC as well, is that there are teams that love to high press. And we've seen these high pressing teams um, over and over have some success whenever they can get it right. Um, But... In some cases, and certainly this year, Kevin, with the heat, with the schedule, with how close games are coming next to each other, and I've been talking to some players around the league recently as well, talking about talent dilution with all the expansion teams out there and how there are 
basically I was talking to one player. One player says there are like three good teams in Major League Soccer and the rest of the teams are just less bad than some of the bad teams. That's all it is, right? There's these like, you know, it's the New England's, it's the Seattle's, Sporting Kansas City's, uh, maybe New York City, although I think that the the, the everything is uh, still out for them. But it's those. And then there's the rest of the teams with some teams being less bad as others. And you could even look at the LA Galaxy and say that the LA Galaxy aren't a great team in Major League Soccer yet. Um, they're less bad than some of the other teams that are out there right now. And if you look at the goal differential, I think that sort of points to some some issues the Galaxy still have. They're less bad. Yeah. They're incomplete. And Well, the best team in MLS right now is Bruce Arena's New England team, the hottest team, I would say. You, know, I mean, you can debate who the best team is, but when you look at records, I think New England is the hottest team now over the last two months. But when you talk about squad rotation, I guess this is going to become more prevalent in, in the era of global warming, right? We're going to have to rotate those squads more often you have to rotate the squads you have to do stuff and if you have a coach who isn't adjusting how you play games and how you attack games and i had i got a lot of stick on uh on on social media kevin whenever i said the la galaxy do not need to win this minnesota game right and that was that was real i was being absolutely 100 percent truthful with that the la galaxy did not need to win that minnesota game and greg vanny said in his pre in his pre-game not pre-game but but before the game a couple days before the game press conference that we talked to him about is he needed to approach this smartly because really greg vanny knew he was setting himself up for the two home games that he had coming and those were more important than the minnesota game now does that mean greg vanny goes out and puts out a game plan that he doesn't think will win a game no but it also means that he's able to rotate and put guys in positions where he think they can 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 succeed and still get points out of these things for me, Kevin. So, well, yeah, well, go ahead. Here's, here's where it's smart. Um, I, I, I'm a real big proponent of the whole mental side of the game because I think in just about every sport, when you make it to the top level, Major League Baseball, NBA, MLS, you're a really good player. And I think it... When you do something like a skills challenge, for example, you'll see everyone can do the same thing. Right. There's a, it, it's your intangibles. It's, it's how much do you want to win? Uh, how much physical abuse can you put up with? Can you play in the heat? And then the mental side of it. And here's where I think Greg Vanny was smart, intentionally or otherwise. First of all, you never tell a team when you said that they didn't have to win the Minnesota game. You never tell a team this is must win, even if it's a must win game. You never say that. Why? Because if you lose, then what do you tell them after that? Right. Well, we just lost the must win game. Now this is a must win. Well, you know, you, you can't have a must win and then you lose and you can't move on from that. So by saying this is not a, an important it's an important game, but we don't have to win this game in Minnesota. That was a smart thing. I think it gave the players a little bit of ability to take a take a deep breath and go out there and 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 play hard without the pressure. Then here's the second part of that: they go there and they they play a game uh, against a very good team and they win. Yes. And they win with some guys who maybe don't consider themselves to be second string, but in Greg Vanny's mind, that wasn't his first choice lineup. You get seven saves out of the number two goalkeeper. <laughs> how does that? How do you think that makes the team feel going forward? Like we're we're bulletproof. Look what we did with our second-rate lineup. Yep. Yeah, and and by the way, the second-rate lineup for the LA Galaxy has starters all through it. I mean, even whenever you look at this and call it second-rate, like, Hamelinen played as good as a starter as as, as uh, Viafania has played. Hamelinen was not a step that backwards. So if you're looking at what you got from Nico Hamelinen in his first game, you better be jumping up and down because he's younger than Jorge Viafania. It looks like he can take abuse. He's quicker 
uh, having both him and Araujo being able to bomb up each side was absolutely a difference maker. Well, in, in and this where's game. Acosta? What is it? Where, where's what's Acosta doing now? What's his position? Well, Acosta is still the backup to the backups, right? And and Greg Vanny basically said, "Hey, we like Danilo. He's great, but he hasn't played that many games, and he's coming off a pretty serious injury, right? So it's not like you can rely on him to give you all the minutes that you have. So they have Hamelinen, who, by the way. Uh, Greg told us he hadn't even trained with the team whenever we talked to everybody on uh, on, I think, Thursday. Right. He was like, he should be joining us tomorrow out of quarantine and then he'll go. So I think he like, you know, got the walkthrough on Friday morning and then started on Saturday. Right. I mean, yeah, he hadn't even talked to everyone on the team. He right. hadn't met everybody on the team yet. He, he, I mean, this is this is this. This is uh, Nico Hemline and comes in and just plays his position. I mean, really smart. Greg put him in a position to succeed, which you like to see, uh, which is great. Jovulich. Uh, you know, has only been training with his team for a small amount of time. He comes in. I thought he had a great debut. Uh, he gets an assist. Uh, he was dangerous. He was good in combination with with a couple of things. The LA Galaxy only got one shot on goal, Kevin. It was Kevin Cabral's goal. That was it. That we only got one shot. You know, Yolich, I, I hope I don't have to apologize for these words later, but um, he seems like a great guy. He's a yeah. very smart guy. Yeah. I had a chance to talk to him, um, right, the, the, I guess, before the announcement was even made that he had signed. Um, very intelligent guy really knows what he, for a young guy really knows what he, what he's all about, what he wants to do. Very respectful. Uh, just seems like a great guy. Uh, absolutely. We had a, we had a press conference with him as well. He talked about how he plays chess and how he solves Rubik cubes. I mean, just like, he's just one, he's fun. He's very nice. As you said, very respectful, uh, you know, answered all of our questions, said, thank you very much after we were done. Thank you for coming. You know, the whole day, just a great kid. And he's a kid, Kevin, they are going to develop this kid. And he's going to get better than what he was. I think he comes from a league that's more physical. So whenever you're looking at Kevin Cabral and sort of the physicality stuff, although we're going to talk about Kevin Cabral here in a second, but when you look at the physicality where he comes from, Jovalich doesn't feel like he's out of place already, right? He's used to being a little more physical. He's used to having to ride out challenges, all those things. He seemed comfortable, but new in his, in his time with the LA galaxy on Saturday against Minnesota. But uh, Eric and I on Thursday night talked about this game and said, listen, if you're going to make this a statement game, Kevin, right? And some people were like, uh, you know, you have to win this game. This has to be a statement game. If you were going to make this a statement game, you needed to, it needed to be a different type of statement game, right? You're not going to go in there and just outplay Minnesota. That's not going to happen. You're on the road. Being on the road is tough in Major League Soccer. If I teach anybody anything this year, at all. It's that playing on the road is extremely difficult. And if you win games on the road, regardless of who it is, consider yourself very lucky to have done so. Um, you have to play really well in order to win games on the road. And Minnesota uh, has never beaten the LA Galaxy. And that continues. That's a little bit of a streak to keep watching because that might be, it feels like the Galaxy might be Minnesota's kryptonite um, well, on this one. You know what else I, I like about this team and this lineup is Jovalik, you got Grant Sear, Cabral. All these guys, basically about the same age, young guys trying to prove themselves. Uh, you know, they've all come from Europe. They all want to go back there, even though they're not saying that right now. I see them as competing with one another in a friendly sort of way to 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 come up together, to raise their game together. You don't always have that. I mean, you think back to to um, when Robbie Keane was here. He set the tone, and and Jossi, as good as Jossi might might have been. He wasn't going to try to outdo Robbie because Robbie was the guy. He was the franchise. These guys are all coming up together. 
um, they're not going to defer to one another. They're going to push one another. It's not going to be like a Zlatan thing, like I'm not going to get in the spotlight because that belongs to Zlatan. Or over at LAFC, I think a lot of people are afraid to challenge Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela will always be the leader of that team. The Galaxy don't have those artificial breaks put on what their players are doing. Right. Uh, and these guys are all on long-term contracts, and I think they're all going to try to develop together, and they're all going to compete. And there isn't going to be this one thing of, Oh, well, Cabral is the guy who scores the goals. I don't want I'm going to just pass to him. No, it's like Cabral got a goal. I got to get one now. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a, a, a friendly competition that that really brings up the talents of all those guys. And I feel that even whenever Chicharito gets back, I still feel that that's going to be the case. I don't feel like Chicharito is this overbearing personality in that locker room. I feel like he's a glue guy that actually is egging these people on. We talked a whole bunch after the LA Galaxy's Vancouver draw um, at home that the loudest voice after that game was Chicharito. For seven to ten minutes, he was he was motivating, you know, yelling, angry, but like trying to get these guys to 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 realize. Um, and his big thing, the big thing that I heard from it was basically, you know, him saying, um, you guys can't be great until you can believe that you can be great. Right. And that's what's going to hold he you did, back. He did that at MLS's back as well in Florida. You know, what was interesting is he had until Rui Diaz got the two goals this weekend. Chicharito was within one goal of the MLS lead and he hasn't played since June. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's, you know, within three goals, I guess, because Rui Diaz scored two. But yeah, I mean, not not too far off the whole pace of everything that is going on. And so when slash if he comes back and and I do believe he's going to come back. So that's not anything. We'll just we'll talk about timelines here in a second. But I mean, when we go into this game and we see the goal that the Galaxy score. And again, remember, they only get one shot on goal, Kevin. Um, this is only from Kevin Cabral. This is a complete team goal from the Galaxy going from one end of the field to the other in a matter of seconds uh, and totally caught Minnesota out. If you were going to smash and grab, and let's be very honest with what the LA Galaxy did, their expected goals were higher than Minnesota, so they had some chances, and certainly Cabral's uh, miss from about three yards away from the goal line stands out as a chance that probably should have been buried and maybe the Galaxy could score another goal, so it's 2 two nothing. Um, whenever this goes. But as you look at this, uh, the LA Galaxy had really few and far chances between. They just did a really good job of controlling the game in between that. They ended up with more possession than Minnesota United, which is great. Um, if you look at average possession, Minnesota actually probably had a little bit more, but still, Galaxy did a good job on that and ended up uh, you know, being a, a, a thorn in Minnesota's night. I mean, you look at the player. I I, I thought that uh, Reynoso um, for Minnesota was absolutely outstanding. Um, I thought he was really good, and I thought the Galaxy did a really good job of limiting where he was going to shoot, right? And as you saw this game sort of devolve down, it came down to the LA Galaxy staying strong on defense, and then Jonathan Klinsman standing on his head, too. I mean, the main reason the LA Galaxy get the win is because Jonathan Klinsman stood on his head, but you have to credit guys like Julian Araujo, who started the goal break, right? He intercepts the ball just at the top of the 18-yard box. He's able to feed it out to Efra. Efra turns and hits a great pass into Cabral, who was already on his way up. Cabral sort of stalls for a little bit and gets Jovalich. Jovalich dropping back. And then you see Jovalich get the ball, and you're sort of like, well, what's going to happen? It's just Cabral up there with Jovalich, and Jovalich is dropping back deep. And Jovalich ends up threading this ball. And apparently Minnesota just switched off. I don't think that they thought Cabral was going to like keep running, and he just kept running, and Jovalich hit him in stride. And then Greg Vanny talked about this afterwards. We've talked about Kevin Cabral needing to be stronger physically on the ball, right? And we've seen him be knocked off the ball many times since he started with the LA Galaxy. Um, and the big thing that you saw with that was Greg Vanny said, you saw 
Kevin Cabral put the ball in a place where he could defend it. So whenever he got into the box, he put it in a place only he could get to, right? The defender was behind him, chasing him, and Cabral moved that ball to the right a little bit, and Cabral is the only one who's going to get that ball. The defender's going to have to go through him to get that ball, and then the finish for the goal as well. So you get that goal, you end up surviving. Uh, Jonathan Klinsman, the one who, uh, you know, everybody was sort of like, why is Jonathan Baum the, the big controversy? He goes out there and gets seven saves. Uh, one of those included the the very first one, which was a save off of Koulibaly, which is actually a, 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 an own goal shot there uh, that that uh, that Jonathan Klinsman ended up making. And six of his saves were in the second half. And Adrian Heath, the Minnesota coach, talked about Jonathan, too, afterwards and said, look, I can't even say anything to my players. I can't criticize them at all. They played great. He goes, if it wasn't for the goalkeeper, we would have won that game and yes. we should have got points, but it was the goalkeeper. And that's amazing when a coach says, I'm not even going to talk to my players because they won the game. It was the goalkeeper from the other side that that kept us from getting points. Uh, by the way, a little super chat from uh, Michael Ramirez gave us a $2 super chat. says, hello from North Hollywood. Hello, straight back at you from the southern offices here in Orange County of Corner of the Galaxy. And of course, our far northern California offices up there in, in uh, suburban Bakersfield. In sub <laughs> You're in Valencia. It's not that far, although now I'm sure everybody's going to go to Valencia and search for you. I'm sure that's that's how it goes. So. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, only people I owe money to. Yeah, no, which isn't that many. How many Seven Elevens did you end up going to in uh, in in Tokyo in Japan? Well, well uh, this this it involves a longer answer than that. There was a Seven Eleven not across the street, but right next to the hotel. And mm -hmm. uh, that's the one I went to most often. In fact, that's the only Seven Eleven I entered. So one, but there are other stores. There's one called Lawson's that has a great craft beer aisle, and there's another one called Family Mart. Uh, but I only went to one 7-Eleven, and the reason I went to 7-Eleven is, I'm, as you know, I'm vegetarian, and I couldn't read any of the signs, and so I couldn't, I, I didn't know what I was eating. At 7-Eleven, all the all of the food had English language signs on it, so I subsisted on 7-Eleven potato salad for about three days when I first got there. But yes, the answer is one. One, one. So see, one I, I thought my two was a really good one. I'm like, there's probably another one somewhere. Maybe he found one near a stadium that he was going to after his two and a half hour bus ride and really needed that. Seven and they and as you said, the Seven Elevens are better um, than here in the states. So we will yeah, a third of the Seven Elevens worldwide are in Japan. It's no. now a Japanese co company. I don't think I, I I don't think anybody knows that. Ed, nor do I know that. No, it, it used to be Southland Corporation. It was started in Texas, but it was bought by a Japanese company. I think in the eighties or nineties, and now a third of the uh, uh, franchise franchises, a third of the stores are in Japan. Uh, but there is you see that and you think American right away, although there you know. Very few of the 7-Elevens I saw had gas stations in front. But Subway's there, Kentucky Fried right. Chicken, McDonald's, of course. That's, which is always the places you go to whenever you go to a foreign country. Is, is Chronic Tacos. Chronic that Tacos. Was on the, I, uh -huh. That was on Uber Eats. I didn't actually see a Chronic Taco. Denny's was there. I saw Sizzler. It's, it's, um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. our, our chat room is going crazy with everybody. Uh, by the way, Philip uh, says, uh, Josh, fact check, the LA Galaxy have never scored against Atlanta United. I'd have to take a look at that, but that wouldn't surprise me. They haven't exactly played well, and Atlanta United was a good team whenever they were playing, and they didn't play them last year, and they didn't play them this year, and so, you know, you have to go back, and at the time, Atlanta United were still a good team, so I could see that. Yeah, Brad Gusson had hair the last time they played. There was there was a great um, Joseph Martinez quote about uh, about Barco being his being his son, um, and then he once said that Orlando, uh, that, that Joseph Martinez said Orlando, uh, that he was Orlando's daddy. And so somebody asked him, does that mean that Orlando and Barco are brothers? Right. And he goes, I don't know. You'd have to ask Brad Guzon. He's the mommy. Right. 
I just I thought I thought that was great. That's right up there with quotes of the year as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, uh, back to this Minnesota game. The LA Galaxy get only one goal, get only one shot on target. Doesn't matter because the LA Galaxy get the one nothing win there. Um, Jonathan Klinsman was great. Nico Hamelainen was great. I'm trying to think of anybody else who sort well, of. And Cabral has gotten single handedly has gotten the team four points in the last two games. He's the only guy that scored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's the rhombus again. That that absolutely. Uh, if we look at the passing network, a little more condensed. Um, I thought it was, and of course, it grabbed the wrong one. I will tell you, this is actually the wrong passing network. So um, it grabbed the home one whenever I wanted the away one. Um, so uh, the away one there uh, actually showed that the that Jovalich was a little more recessed uh, than playing up as a pure striker. And I think if you watch that game, Kevin, you could actually see Jovalich dropping back into um, into coverage a lot, back into the, the to the play to sort of get the ball and bring that out. I feel like that's the type of player he is. Uh, seems to have a really good engine. I know that Greg didn't leave him in for the full time. I'm sure he's not 100% match fit yet. Um, but as that goes, I imagine that Jovalich will get more and more time, especially with Chicharito sort of being um, on the questionable list as we continue down this path so um you know big takeaways from me obviously jonathan klinsman stands on his head unbelievable performance uh it was he told a great story about how he didn't tell anybody that he was starting because he didn't want like congratulatory texts when he hadn't played or done anything so he didn't even tell his dad we all know his dad is Jurgen klinsman um and so he he said he said my dad's gonna be angry you know whenever this, this you happens. know what's funny about that what? it just so happens i'm trying to get Jurgen for a story i'm working on and Jurgen and i were texting back and forth when that game is starting and uh, I said something about uh, something to the effect of, let's not talk now. I want you to be able to watch Jonathan. He's starting today. And Jurgen's like, what? <laughs> oh, really? So you were the one who told Jurgen that, that Jonathan was, think, uh, was starting? I, I think he might have he might have uh, turned on the TV or something. But yeah, he acted <laughs> as, as if it was like I was giving him news. But he clearly uh, was had not, I, I don't think he had set up his afternoon to sit in front of the TV and watch the Galaxy game. Yeah, it, it probably wasn't uh, high on his list. But yeah, uh, Jonathan Klinsman, listen, be ecstatic for, for how the LA Galaxy played this game. I think if you're a Galaxy fan, you have to love that win. Um, it may have been a nail biter. It may have, been, you know, been uh, some saves. The the redirection run, the redirecting save uh, that happened late in the game, uh, with time ticking down, the ball gets shot from outside the box and it redirects. And Jonathan Klinsman was going one way, and you see him stop, have to get low, and then dive the other way. Uh, he ends up doing it and ends up making the save. Obviously, he made all the saves uh, on the night, but uh, just a great, great sort of thing. But I mean, this now, Kevin. Um, this begs the question, though, is you, you have the hot goalkeeper now. Jonathan Klinsman just stood on his head. Um, Greg Vanny said that he's had, you know, that uh, that in normal years you get cup games for for the, the backup goalkeeper to play in, that you get, you know, these other games that you get to play in, and he doesn't have that with, with Jonathan Klinsman this year. So he... He wanted to get him in. He wanted to get him some time just to show to make sure that he's uh, ready to go because he needs everybody on this team ready to play at the drop of a hat um, in case anything happens to anybody else. And so it's next man up. And so he wanted to put Jonathan Klinsman in there. But now you look at this and say, OK, well, he had an unbelievable game. Does he start the next game? Well, and you and I were talking about that, arguing about it, I guess. When you look at what Greg Vanny did, I mean, it's similar to you watch NFL teams. The same quarterback takes every snap all season long. Then he gets hurt right before the playoffs, and they bring in a guy that hasn't thrown a pass all season, and you know that's the end of their playoff hopes. It's very smart for Greg Vanny to give Jonathan Klinsman a game. I've been told by by goalkeepers that's the one position that you can't mimic in training, that you have to be out on the field and reacting to things in real time at real speed, uh, that goalkeepers need game. That's why it's a lot of times you'll see these guys go down to Galaxy 2. 
um, and get a little bit of action down there because they they need to be in game situations. So Greg Vanny, very smart to give Jonathan Klinsman a game in case he's going to need him. My thought after this game was, what does Vanny do now? Because Bond is your number one guy, but Jonathan Klinsman had a great game. And we know from last year, Jonathan Klinsman had a couple of good games and then really fell off. So my thought was, why not ride the hot hand? This guy's hot right now. He's probably playing a little bit over his head. Let's take advantage of that. Give Bond another day, you know, another game to have a blow. Um, and, and the other thing it does is it lets everybody on the bench know, hey, Cameron Dunbar or, or whoever else, if you guys get in there and have a great game, we're going to keep you in the in the lineup. If you earn the if you earn the right to start again, we're going to allow you to start again. Clearly, Jonathan Klinsman earned the right to do that. But Greg Vanny shut all that down in the press conference today. It's pretty clear Jonathan Bond is going to start. Right. Um, he did. He doesn't want to create a controversy going the other way of having Jonathan Bond looking over his shoulder and going, "Wait a minute, I was I was your number one guy. This guy gets in there and makes seven saves, right. and all of a sudden I'm gone." Yeah. So it probably a, a good thing for Vanny to do, but. I do wonder, uh, Jonathan Klinsman, you know, he's got to be thinking, what do I have to do to get more than one start at a time? Yeah, I mean, you have to say that. I I think Greg's big takeaway from all this was, you know, Jonathan Bond didn't deserve to to lose his spot just because Jonathan Klinsman came out. He goes, anything that Jonathan Klinsman has done, you know, Bond has done it many times this year already. He goes, so he goes, I gave Bond a, a break. I wanted him to have a breather. We have a busy week coming up. And he goes... And I, you know, he basically said he's going to start. He didn't say he's going to start. So, you know, you can always say Greg can can reverse his decision at the last second. But, you know, I would expect that Jonathan Bond. And by the way, he settles that very easily. And I said this after the game, too. There's a number one and a number two. Jonathan Bond is your number one. And Jonathan Klinsman is your number two. Nothing has changed. It's just really good for Galaxy fans that the LA Galaxy have two really capable keepers. Now, what? Yeah. Well, and it's good for the it's good for the team. As as I said earlier, they won that game against a very tough opponent in a tough environment without Sebastian Legette, without Chicharito, without their number one goalkeeper. They have got to feel great about themselves and their depth. And Greg Vanny talked about that, the depth afterwards, how he needs all 30 players. And certainly he got the the, the help from the depth he needed. But but think about this now. Okay, let's say Jonathan Klinsman doesn't start for a while. Let's say Bond gets hurt at some point or or he gets a red card or whatever, and and Klinsman has to come in. All of a sudden, guys aren't going, holy, oh, holy cow, what's going to happen now? We got the backup guy. Now they're going to go, hey, this is the guy that made that those seven saves against Minnesota. Yeah, let's do this. We're going to win. Yeah, it, feel, it, it feels, totally changes. It feels like there's no drop off there. Uh, just to give you a heads up on that as well, Jonathan Klinsman did make team of the week. Uh, Should have won player of the week as well. I'll say it if nobody else wants to say it. Um, Raul Ruiz Diaz got it. So basically what you're saying, and let's let's go over here. Let's let's find the uh, the Western Conference standings. Uh, By the way, with yeah. with with Bond and you talk about no drop off with Bond and Klinsman, even for the defense, because they can turn around and yell, hey, Jonathan, and it works either way. You don't have to change anything. Right. Uh, except yeah. that they call uh, Jonathan Bond Bondy and they call Jonathan Bondy. Klinsman Jonathan. So, yeah, I don't think they call well, him Klinsman. And, and by the way, you look at the standings here. Yes. Um, L.A., the Galaxy, they were in first place for a couple of hours, a couple hours. After the game, and what, but significant about that, it's the the latest in the season they have been in first place since 2015. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, for a couple hours until Sporting Kansas City played. They ended up winning. Uh, then Seattle played, and they ended up winning. Rui Diaz scored two goals in that 6-2 defeat with Seattle playing Portland. Uh, when you look at these two teams, and if you watch these two teams play at all this year, Seattle is in a different 
uh, stratosphere compared to Portland and how they're playing. So you get Rui Diaz who scores two goals or you get Jonathan Klinsman who stands on his head and, and two much closer teams in terms of LA and Minnesota. Uh, the gap is basically Colorado in between there. And I think Minnesota actually is going to be a team that moves into that, you know, top four um, whenever everything is said and done, maybe five, maybe that's exactly where they sit now. Um, but whenever you look at that, Raul Rui Diaz with his two goals somehow got voted out of uh, of Jonathan Klinsman and his seven saves. I thought the seven look, saves. There's were Jonathan right there. Make, making a save. What do you know? That's what he did a lot. That's of. going over the crossbar. Uh, yeah, probably. But you know what? They, they all count. So that doesn't matter. Um, that was probably just a bouncing ball. If we look uh, real quick before we get into the conference call we had today, uh, MLS power rankings. This was my favorite one. It's Ben Wright. He has the LA Galaxy at seven. He has New York City at number one. Um, we've been sticking with these ones because this is formula based and not subject to all sorts of crazy whims. I will tell you that overall, the media at, at large has suddenly become very complimentary of the LA Galaxy. Um, I don't know what it took. Uh, I don't know if the, the draw with Vancouver was what did it. I have no idea. The, what really did it is that they can't deny that the LA Galaxy have been in third place and that basically at that top third of the Western Conference for the entire year, and we're past the halfway point here. That's really they're what that changed. They're in the supporter shield race, too. I mean, just don't look, you look at the standings and say, oh, well, they're third in the, in the conference. What are they, third or fourth in supporter shield? I mean, they're they're in the hunt. They are absolutely in the hunt. Let's see, I have that somewhere. I'm sure I have a supporter shield. Supporter shield, LA Galaxy in fourth. Uh, they are currently, uh, what, five, eight points back of New England right now. Now, New England. See, I don't buy this New Year. I, I, I know you say that it's right. it's fact based and all that. I, I still think New England and Seattle are are kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Kansas City is close. I don't know that New York City is really. They, 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 New York City keeps doing things that I think on it, a postage stamp. They have a. I know. Look at their I home hate, versus hate, their road record. I hate it. I do. I just the the reason that I like Ben Wrights is that he has a methodology and it's not trying to predict the table. It's trying to predict who the best team is. And so they look at points per game. They look at strength of schedule. That's going to be big because uh, if you look at somebody like New England, uh, from what I understand, there ha there haven't been a lot of games where uh, they've played some of the stronger teams in the Eastern conference yet that's coming if you look at their record against nashville right nashville is one of the teams that's currently at fifth above the la galaxy in these power rankings if you watch nashville play um over the weekend uh they got a win at home and nashville has played new england twice and they beat them once and they drew them the second time so what what, what are the teams uh, on my screen this is really blurry yeah. what are the teams at the bottom cincinnati cincinnati toronto, toronto inner miami houston dynamo vancouver whitecap chicago fire okay just yeah okay so four, four of the six and the last and the and the bottom three were all eastern conference teams yep uh teams that new york city and 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 new england are going to play multiple times two or three times at least yep um it, you know again when you look at the sport shield race that I think that gives them a, a huge advantage over Seattle and and uh, and Kansas City and the Galaxy. Yeah, but I heard from everybody who's based on the East Coast that the Eastern Conference is the more difficult conference. I haven't seen it, that. No, yeah, no, and, and and the travel too. I, I mean, I know we're not traveling. In, you know, interconference games, one it one one road game, but you know, just nobody really what west of of Chicago for the most part. Those are are two hour plane trips. Some of some of those road trips or even by train when you right. go to New York to Philadelphia or New York City plays the Red Bulls how many times well like Galaxy plays LAFC but then Philadelphia is a train ride right. New England could be a train ride very short flight um, it's you know it, unless you're going down to Miami or, or Orlando it's uh, you, know, you could do it in the time it takes to watch a feature length film yes. so 
Uh, no, com- Eastern Conference is not more difficult. I, I would say there is some, you, you do have some validity to everything because your telephone number is a Florida number. And so I every time you call me, it says Kevin Baxter in Florida. I'm like, I don't think he's in Florida. I go, actually, I think he's in Tokyo right now, but no, uh, he's back. Uh, big heads up, uh, Benjamin from Mesa, Arizona. Hey, Benjamin, I actually used to live in Mesa, Arizona whenever I went to Arizona State. So shout out to Mesa. Uh, speaking of Miami. Yeah, speaking of Miami, any news? Uh, Benjamin asks, any news on Julian Araujo making the switch to Mexico international. I know, I know that. Do you do you, you want to say it or you want me to say it? Well, when David Ochoa uh, announced that he was going, I immediately reached out to Julian's agent, who is the same agent as David Ochoa, and I thought, well, he has two players in the same category. You know, uh, dual nationals could go either way. Once David decided, I figured Julian was going to, and I, I guess I wasn't the only one because all those reports came out. So I went to Julian's agent and he said, no, that's not true. Julian has not decided yet. Yes. And so I said, well, you want me to knock that down? You, do you want me to go to Twitter and say that it's not true? And, they, and he said, no. Yeah. And I go, why? He goes, because it probably will be true in about a week or so. <laughs> yeah. So Julian has not announced it yet, but it sure sounds like he is he is going to decide and it's going to be Mexico. Yeah, it, it seems that way. I, that's what the whole thing is like. It, we always argue on this channel because we feel like when you get the news and how you get the news is important to telling the story, right? And so, you know, just because everybody says it's going to happen doesn't mean that it has happened. And so it's not true, but it's eventually going to be true, right? Just yeah, like I, I think a lot of people just guess because Ochoa did it that Julian would do it. And that was a good guess, but it wasn't true. He hasn't and not he if he's made the decision, he's keeping it to himself. Yes. Uh, and so he hasn't announced that decision yet. But that's what the decision will be, and that's I think it'll it probably like. be coming up in, in probably sometime this next week. Very, very well could be. Um, Patrick, Just like we know Angel City is going to sign Christian Press and Tobin Heath. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Patrick gives us a $5 Super Chat, says hats off to the Monday Victory Super Chat money. So there we go. We got uh, another $5 on the Super Chat, so that's good as well. Thank you for that, Patrick. What was his 7-Eleven guess? Did he make a 7-Eleven guess? I think he came in a little late, so I don't think he did. Okay. Um, there were there were some unders. There were some overs. I would say it's fairly well split within the in the live chat. I don't know how everybody else in, in podcast land uh, did after that, uh, but that's uh, that's something to watch as well um, as we go. Press conference today. Uh, only Greg Vanny, which makes sense. Quick turnaround, so it's always nice to just talk Greg for a little bit. He was in a good mood, which is always nice as well. Um, I, uh, we, we, I think you asked an interesting question. I will say that if you want to listen to Kevin's question because it's about seven minutes long, if you want to listen to that question, you can go and listen to Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, we have the full video up there and you can listen to Kevin's mostly his full question. I think they actually cut some of it out because you're at the start of it, too. Um, yeah, but, it was a long. I like to hear myself talk as long as I don't have to pronounce names. You, you're I'm, OK. I'm <laughs> That's good. That's good. By the way, Greg is watching uh, Ted Lasso. At least he's seen a couple episodes. I know for a fact. Yes. Yes. We we know we're not allowed to ask him until the end of August. Now he gave us it while you were gone. He Larry asked him and he goes, I promise by the end of August, I will have watched some. So we're so we've all decided that we're not going to ask him until the end of August. Now, I think that was his way of us getting uh, getting him. Not yeah, to ask like, him anymore. You guys are annoying me. With yes. Stuff. Yes, exactly. So it was still fun uh, and he was good. But Greg uh, was interested today. Here is your injury updates. Um, he talked about uh, uh, Chicharito and that's the big one. I know Scott was asking about this and so I will I will get to this one first. Um, the Chicharito injury, basically Chicharito is back to some physical activity, uh, which basically is part of his return to play stuff. Uh, he is doing things on the field. It doesn't sound like he's back to full training. It sounds like they're progressing forward. I would say, again, as we talked last week, I felt like Greg Vanny was a little more optimistic. I felt like this was in that same thread that he seems optimistic that that'll eventually happen. 
Uh, I do. He, he ruled him out for Tuesday night, so he's not going to play Tuesday night. He didn't talk about Friday night. I imagine that we'll ask him again on Thursday whenever or Wednesday, whenever we get to talk to him the next time for the Friday night game as well. I don't expect that he's going to be back on Friday night either. Uh, the all-star game is upcoming. He talked about how they have a plan in place to keep talking to the league, talking to Chicharito to see about that stuff. Um, as of right now, I don't know if he's going to even make it back for the all-star game, which certainly puts the, uh, the El Trafico uh, at Bank of California on the 28th in doubt as well. Now, Scott asked Kevin if we think the LA Galaxy front office is being, um, uh, are they deceiving anybody with this? Are they, is the, it was the injury worse than what they thought it was? Um, I have my thoughts on that. What do you think? Cause I know you've, you've sort of been paying attention, but, uh, you've also been out. So I'd actually like your outsider view a little more than, than what I've been hearing every week. Oh, maybe we lost Kevin. It feels like we, it feels like we lost Kevin for a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on getting Kevin back here in a second. Um, so uh, we'll we'll do that. I'll, I can. The good news is that I can actually explain this um, and, and talk about this a little bit more uh, whenever we talk about Chicharito is that I don't think that they were lying about um, what was going on or how that was was sort of happening. Um, I don't think there was anybody lying about that, but I do think that there have been setbacks during this stuff. Um, that have led to, uh, you know, it being a prolonged thing. Uh, they talked about the, the, um, the fluid building up around, uh, the injury. They talked about, uh, you know, just the fact that he at one point was moving in one direction, um, and then had to come back, uh, and, and they had to do other stuff in there. So it, it's been a progression of things. And I think that it was precautionary, but whenever they looked at it, they were like, okay, there, you know, there's some scar tissue around that. And we see the edema building up as well. So all those things made them take steps backwards instead of steps forward. So I think initially they thought it was precautionary and, uh, now obviously there is an actual injury, same injury that he had last time. So I, I don't think it was, they were trying to deceive anybody. I don't think they've been trying to, to do anything. I do believe they're slow playing this because they want him to be a hundred percent healthy whenever he comes back. Kevin, do we get you back? Yeah. You got me on the phone here. I, I do think that it was a little worse than they originally thought it would be. If you remember, he came out to warm up. They knew that something was wrong with him during that week. He came out to warm up. And then went back in. I I, th I think if they knew that it was that bad, that he wouldn't have even come out to warm up. But he missed two months last year, and it's the same thing. And we're at about two months this year. So it, it kind of makes sense. The timeline kind of works. It's the same injuries last year, and this it's the same uh, uh, rehab. I do think that they face uh, uh, some uh, big questions going into Friday. Because if he, if, he if he plays Friday, then he needs to play in the All-Star game, or else he's what going to be sidelined for a game, which would be El Trafico. Uh, if he doesn't play Friday, they might be able to go to the All-Star game and say, look, he was hurt. Right. Uh, he doesn't have to play in the All-Star game because he's hurt, and therefore he should be able to play in El Trafico because he missed the All-Star game with an injury, not because he was dodging the All-Star game. That There's a Zlatan rule where if you're healthy and you don't show up, then you have to sit out a game. So uh, I think the Friday game is a big one, um, right. and we'll see what, what the Galaxy do. I can see them going both ways. I can see them saying, look, he doesn't play Friday. We wind up with another extra week because of the league rules. Um, that's great. It gives him another week to heal. And then we would be at exactly two months. Right. Um, so um, on the other hand, I think maybe they want, they want that to be in their own hands. What if we want to have Chicharito sitting on the bench against LAFC and bring him in late in the game if we need a spark? Where I think this is all going, though, is if you remember Chicharito's contract is two years with a third-year option. 
So he's at at the end of the season. That's two years. And the Galaxy and, and Chicharito have to talk about whether or not to bring him back for the option. If, if he comes back at the option, I don't think he comes back at six million dollars. Right. Because he's a he's a guy that's not can't play 34 games and and he's taking up a designated player spot and you don't want to spend six million dollars on that does he drop all the way down to tam money probably not um but i don't think he makes six million would chicharito stay here he's gonna be 34 next season is he gonna get multi-million dollar offers anywhere else right maybe in mexico if he went back to to chivas he went back to guadalajara maybe he gets offered like that but that's where i think it's going to get interesting and that's where they're gonna have to take a look at his health um You know, the Chicharito mindset this year of trying to make up for last year and taking the responsibility and talking about mental health and all that, I could definitely see Chicharito saying to the Galaxy, look, I owe you another season. I've played two half seasons for you. I owe you another season. I can see him do that. Right. But does he give up millions of dollars to do? Is he that good a guy who's yeah. going to give up millions of dollars? I don't know. No, and and by the way, I would never put him in that position. I mean, you know, it's like, it's one of the things like even he has to, as an athlete, whether you're injured or not, it's your job to get as much money as you can in the short amount of window that you have. And and maybe that's not always fair. Maybe that's not always the way it's supposed to happen. But that's that's your job as an athlete is to make sure that you do that. Um, and if you can get somebody to pay you the money, then you do it. So for me, um, just keep watching Chicharito. I, I think this game on Friday, it just feels like it's a bridge too far right now. I'm optimistic. I still don't feel like Friday is is the game that he comes back. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they put him on the bench. Maybe he gets 15 minutes. Maybe he plays 10 minutes in the uh, in the all-star game and does the skills challenge. And maybe he's, he's ready for El Trafico on the 28th. Um, all those things are possible. I just, as of right now, and just the way how the, the step-by-step things that I've seen progressing, it doesn't feel like he's imminent to return. Well, and you bring up a really good point. MLS is this dog and pony show with this all-star game with Liga MX and the skills challenge and all that stuff. Um, the MLS is riding this pony really hard. Yes. And I think they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we're never going to know about where MLS is going to be pushing to get Chicharito out there. And it's going to be up to Greg Vanny and, and Dennis DeClosa and, and maybe Chris Klein will get involved at some point, um, which may not be a good thing for the galaxy, but <laughs> they're going to have, they're going to have to stand their ground. If Chicharito can play, then it's good for the league and let him go do at least do the skills challenge and maybe run around for a few minutes. Maybe that's a good workout, the all-star game. It's not going to be all that serious, I don't think. So so maybe that maybe that's okay. On the other hand, if he's not ready, the Galaxy need to dig in their heels and just say, I'm sorry that your little, you know, that your big show is not going to be as good as you thought it was going to be because the Mexican national team star can't participate. But we have an MLS Cup to win and, and a supporter shield to play for, and we can allow our guy to get hurt in this exhibition. Yeah, and, and we'll see how that goes down. Uh, other injuries and availabilities. Uh, Ravellison had an ankle issue in the first half of the game against Minnesota, got it taped up, uh, then had some cramping in the second half. Remember, he was subbed in the second half of that game. Uh, Greg Vanny says he's fine uh, and will be available for the game. Fania is still working on the bone bruise injury they had. We thought it was a hyperextended knee. That's what we were told by the Galaxy. Um, but it was a bone bruise that actually happened. Uh, Greg says he's feeling better every day, but whenever he, it, it was Greg got de- detailed, he goes, whenever he decelerates and really tries to like stop quickly is whenever he feels uh, that pain. And so they'll keep monitoring him uh, more day to day than anything else and, and see where it is. But I mean, if you're a betting person after Nico Hemelinen came in and, and played really well, there's no reason to rush back via Fania right now. So uh, he'll be back. Uh, he'll, he might be on the bench or maybe they give him uh, some more rest and possibly target Friday as a return for via Fania as well. well- 
Yeah. And and that's that's where the Galaxy are are sitting pretty now with Chicharito is is Dejan played so well right in that first game. It's not one of those situations where it's like, oh, we don't have Chicharito, let's use Ethan Zubak, or, or let's find some other, let's put Sasha Kleschen up there to you know, target forward. No, they have a, a legitimate guy that can play up there and played well in his first game. And I think that took a lot of the the worry away from the Galaxy, that, that they probably see a way that they can make it through another couple of weeks if, if Chicharito needs that. And then you look at the other situation where so they they muddle through and actually play pretty well without him. Then all of a sudden Chicharito comes back. It's like they made a, it's like they made a trade for a designated player down the down the stretch heading into the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You can you can see all those things. Uh, the other uh, person who will be back and is available, uh, Greg Vanny. This is something we haven't covered on the show. Actually, happened on Friday. Um, so Thursday night, everything was fine and dandy, Kevin. And then on Friday, um, some more bad news for the LA Galaxy, who have already been hit by tragedy this year. Uh, Viviana Leggett, uh passed away. That's Sebastian Legette's sister. Um, she was young. It was sudden. Uh, I don't know 100% what happened, Kevin. I've heard that possibly there was a car accident. I don't want to... Sus- I, I don't know all the details, and so I will not just assume different things. Uh, but you saw the LA Galaxy wearing, you know, arm badges. Uh, you saw the LA Galaxy holding up Legit jersey before. Um, you saw all these things. Well, Sebastian Legit was not there and did not travel to Minnesota, likely. So and I, I think you could probably guess that that was the case. Although I always say, Kevin, you can never tell when professional athletes go through some of the stuff. Sometimes they go through it and they want to get right back on the uh, on the field as soon as possible. Um, and sometimes they need to take some time. So Sebastian Legit was back in training as of uh, the Monday. Whenever we talked to Greg, he said it was great to have Sebastian Legit back in um, and talking to everybody and being there with the team, that type of thing. Uh, and so Sebastian Legit will be available for the game uh, well, coming up against the Colorado Rapids. And you make a really good point. Sebastian's family, his his real family, his family from San Francisco, they are really, really tight. And so Sebastian had to be with his family for, uh, you know, uh, after the death. There's no way that he couldn't do that. He had to be there. I'm sure he wanted to be there, and, and the team understood. But you know what? The team is your second family. You spend more time with them than you do with your wife or, or, or father or mother or anything. That's your second family. And I'm sure, I'm sure Sebastian needed to – boy, I couldn't get that out – I think he probably needed to be around his second family and and get some of that love and support that I'm sure that he got when he came back. So uh, in, in a sense, kind of Sebastian got to be with both of his families and, and both families helped him through this time. Um, I'm sure the team was glad to see him back. And I, I, I'm betting Sebastian probably felt like he was being embraced and loved and helped through this as well. Um, whether that means he's well enough to, and in the right mind to play a game, we'll find out when the lineups are announced on Tuesday. But being around the environment, I think, probably helped him. Again, whether he's ready to play a game, whether his mind's uh, on soccer, it's not. You know, soccer's not very important right now. Right, it's not. I will say, and and it's not nothing. And so it's something to pay attention to. We saw it with Jonathan Dos Santos losing his father. Um, you saw the tragedy bringing the LA Galaxy closer together. Galaxy trying to go out there and and win things for Jonathan Dos Santos and Zizinho. Um, you saw the LA Galaxy against Minnesota and certainly having something. And Greg Vanny even talked about it, saying, you know, obviously the guys were pulling really hard to get a win for Sebastian and and showed them that you know they they were all thinking of them. These are not 
not things, right? This is not uh, something to just ignore whenever teams like this, especially, and I call this a young team, not in terms of age, but in terms of the time together they've had, Kevin. Um, but whenever you have these events that are tragic, um, that in a lot of ways pull families, they either pull families apart or they push them close together, right? Um, and you talked about the team being a family. These are things that can bring the family even closer together. And I think for a team that is learning how to play with each other, learning how to fight for each other, these tragedies that they suffer through are not just things you can brush off and say they don't have an effect on on team chemistry and they don't have an effect on the season. When we talk about MLS being, you know, a league where, you know, it's two to five percent is the difference uh, in terms of the, the difference between winning a game and losing a game. Um, this these kind of things that galvanize the spirit and bring teams together can absolutely push teams into a winning direction again. So. Well, and I, I think about Sebastian too. Remember his first national team game, his first World Cup qualifier. He scored the first goal, and then all of a sudden he got that Lisdak fracture against Honduras uh, and missed the rest of the season. I mean, you know, he was at the top of his game. He was he was making an impact with the national team, and then he goes out for a year. And and not that I, I want to compare that injury to what's going on now, but you look at a season now. He's a mainstay with the national team. He captained them to a Gold Cup victory. He was on the field when they won Nations League. He's getting prepared for World Cup qualifiers. His team is in the hunt for the Supporters' Shield with him as an integral part. Uh, you know, he was around in 2015, but he wasn't uh, the player that he is now. And 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 this year is going to be remembered for this tragedy as, as well as for all the successes. It's, it, it, it's, it's almost kind of like, you know, Sebastian can't really get a break. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh there there's a lot of that. I'm sure there's a lot of things weighing on him uh, as this all goes down. But pay attention to uh, to him, his return. Uh, obviously, I'm sure Galaxy fans will be more than welcome to more than happy to welcome him back to the stadium. So uh, that'll probably be a good moment there. And it, it brings into the, the the hug between Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette after the Gold Cup final. Um, after Jonathan Dos Santos had lost his father and he played in that game, uh, Mexico ends up losing, and you saw Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos hugging. <laughs> that feels like it brings on brings just a little bit deeper meaning to it now uh even uh, after this so obviously everybody here at corner of the galaxy our thoughts are with the legets who i've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of them over the years um and have always been wonderfully nice people just like sebastian always is so um you know our, our thoughts are are with them so not an easy time for that to go through so that's always nice in the in the middle of the show to bring everything down but uh you know super important kevin why are you on the phone by the way what happened to your camera did we did we lose everything yeah, I think so. And then and then the phone rang and I picked it up. Oh. And I don't know if I'm on Skype yet. No, I'm not. I, maybe this way. I don't I, know. I mean, I don't I mean, know what's going on. I mean, I can actually see your camera. Nobody else can see it because I'm not going to show them the okay. keyboard that you're showing everybody else yeah. right now. So so I'm I'm you know. <laughs> There's the TV. There's the, the computer. Screen. Yeah, uh, it, it went down. It went dark. I was getting ready to call you back, and all of a sudden you were on my phone. And yeah. I thought, wow, yeah. this is like one of those MSNBC things when they have technical difficulties and some guy runs in from the production room and takes over the broadcast. You did a great job there, not panicking. I mean, I'm, I'm used I don't know to what happened. I'm used to you and your technical difficulties throughout this entire thing. Let's get a little bit further deeper into this uh, before we get you ready for the Colorado game. I just wanted to bring up 538, sort of what they're saying with the LA Galaxy uh, and where they are. Still, don't rank the LA Galaxy very high in their in their index that they have. Uh, 38.4 New York City FC. Remember NYCFC postage stamps down. 58.2 is their highest ranked. Uh, SPI for 538. I will always say this, and I think this is true. Uh, 538 seems like they are uh, always uh, lagging. They're a lagging indicator more than they're a leading indicator. So they're always behind things whenever you look at them. But one of the important things that you need to see 
is that as of right now, the LA Galaxy have, according to 538, a 94% chance to make the playoffs, uh, a 9% chance to uh, to get a first round buy, and a 2% chance to get uh, a win at the Supporters Shield with a 3% chance at winning MLS Cup. Just wait. Those numbers have changed. Uh, certainly, no, will... they, have a, they have a 100% chance of making the playoffs. No, they don't. You can't say that, especially... I, when... just, I just did say it. Um, this, is, this is why you can't say that. You close out the rest of, September, uh, the rest of August uh, with two out of three games at home now. So you get this game against Colorado. Not a must win, but a game you need to take points from whenever you realize Colorado has two... Uh, games in hand to the LA Galaxy. So Colorado will be trying to win games when the LA Galaxy are off. That is upcoming. So Colorado can easily jump the Galaxy. They're only uh, a few points behind them as it is right now. Uh, the game against San Jose, another Western Conference, is a game that you need to win. It'll be San Jose's third game in a week. It'll be Colorado's second game in a week. Both of those things line up for the LA Galaxy. And then we talk about the All-Star break the all-star break. It's just a game. And then 828, uh, eight days after the LA Galaxy face-off against San Jose, they will be at Bank of California Stadium to play LAFC. This this season, this 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 schedule in August, Kevin, had four of six at home, and you can even put five of six whenever you realize you just have to go to Bank of California. This is as easy as it gets in terms of playing six games in a month, Kevin, and then having to then uh, you know, go and look at what September brings. September is the exact opposite of what August is. Only five games, which, hey, that's great. Um, but the LA Galaxy only get one of those games at home against Houston. They go to at Colorado, a tough game. At Minnesota, again, a tough game. At Austin, not easy to play Austin in Austin. Uh, they're not a great team, but still. And then at RSL. All of the ground that they make up here in August is going to be very difficult to hold on to into, this, into the month of September. So if you want to see where things are going to fall, it isn't necessarily the next five games. It's the September schedule that is coming up. So pay very well, close yeah, two attention. Of those, two of those games at altitude, and then one, uh, Austin is not Dallas or Houston, but it will be humid. It will be hot. Uh, it will be uncomfortable. I, I still, I, I just don't see any way the Galaxy don't make the playoffs. I mean, it, the way the rest of the conference is, the way the Galaxy are playing, uh, it would take it would take some uh, unforeseeable, uh, bizarre circumstance for them not to make the playoffs. You mean like losing four out of five games in September? I mean that's a possibility. I, just so yeah, you but know. even even that doesn't. I don't even think that puts them out of the playoffs. Mm. Kevin, there is a separation growing. I'll give you that. There's a small separation that's starting to to breed itself here um, between Colorado, L.A., Seattle and Kansas City. They're starting to separate a little bit between the rest of the pack. So the top four are moving. The L.A. Galaxy need to do their best job on Tuesday night to win a game and continue to move with that top group up there. And by the way, win on Tuesday night, I think, would again put them in first place even momentarily as game, as teams are playing Tuesday and Wednesday uh, this week as it goes. So uh, keep your eye on that. Uh, as and I also don't think the Galaxy are going to be hurt as much. Uh, they're going to be hurt. They're going to lose Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos, and maybe Efrain. But I don't think they're going to be hurt as bad during the international break as some other teams like maybe Seattle um, are, are going to lose You know, more players and key players. I think at one point Seattle, during a recent international break, were missing like six players. Right. So um, I, that also kind of works in the Galaxy's favor a little bit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that ends up going. So anyway, a tough schedule coming up. Uh, LA Galaxy facing off against the Colorado Rapids coming up 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday, August 17th. It is a 7.38 p.m. kickoff time. 
I don't, nobody ever listens to me. I say it. And then on Tuesday, I'll get, what time is kickoff? What time is kickoff? Again, I've given you the formula. If it's on Spectrum, it's eight minutes after the starting time of the game. So it's 7.30 plus 8, 7.38 p.m. That's how it's going to work. And if you go on the MLS website, it literally tells you what time kickoff is. And it was even right for the Minnesota game where it said 3.01. And everybody's like, it won't be 3.01. It was 3.01. It was right after 3 o'clock. So um, all of these things working uh, in the LA Galaxy's favor. Uh, here's a fun thing about the LA Galaxy and the Colorado Rapids, Kevin. We talked a little bit about how uh, these are two uh, friends going up against each other. Uh, this is a a Colorado team under Robin Frazier, who is a very good and difficult team, and they play a lot like the LA Galaxy under Greg Vanny. And these two guys were friends, uh, and they and teammates. And there's a reason that they think a lot alike and do a lot of things uh, that way. Uh, the Galaxy have not beaten Colorado at home since a three nothing win on September second, twenty seventeen. Kevin. In three home meetings since that win, the Galaxy have been outscored 5-2 to two by Colorado. And the Rapids right now are 4-3-1 and one on the road this season. The Galaxy are 4-4-1. Four, four and one. So if the Galaxy were to beat Colorado, they would have an identical road record. Um, these teams are incredibly even. Colorado is coming off of... Um, a trip to Houston that they won three to one wasn't as lopsided as the score sort of sort of sets itself at. But uh, they were at Houston and they will be at L.A. and then they host RSL. There is a chance that Robin Frazier is a smart guy and says, you know, trying to go all out and beat L.A. right now is not the best thing for us. What is what is the best thing for us is to make sure we're set up for Saturday against RSL. We're going to put out a good team, but we're not going to throw everything at the kitchen sink, whereas the L.A. Galaxy being at home, having two home games coming up back to back, get to be a little more focused on this game. So I think that's the advantage in this is the Galaxy get to be a little more focused on Tuesday uh, and worry about Friday as it comes down, knowing that San Jose is also playing the third game of three um, on on Friday coming up on 820. So uh, that's what I see. So, what do you see in this, Kev? Do, do you think the Galaxy are playing on Friday because of that friendly that's going to be at uh, the Diggity on Saturday, El Salvador? Costa Rica, you mentioned Colorado's playing on Saturday. It just seems that's a normal rotation, you know, Sunday, midweek, and then Saturday. Right. But the Galaxy get uh, uh, one fewer game, days off. Yeah. Do you think it was scheduled that way, or do you think that the El Salvador game said, hey, this Saturday's open already, we'll just take advantage of that? I think that they, and let me look at the at the uh, that San Jose game. That San Jose game's a nationally televised game on Friday. That's okay. why. Well, that's the reason that that's the reason. And and I was pretty sure that was the case. I wanted to make sure it's ESPN two, ESPN Deportes. Uh, it's a nationally televised game. They weren't going to play that game on Saturday. My guess is the friendly is being played because the Galaxy aren't going to be playing on Saturday. Um, so that means kickoff on Friday will be like nine thirty or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. What is that? The, the game time is supposed to be seven thirty. Um, yeah. It might be like seven forty two or something like that. I could actually look it up while we were going, but I, I don't have it. So I'll just I'll see how everybody. But this Colorado game is important for the Galaxy. Clearly, you look at the standings, you sort of look at where everything is with the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, Colorado sits just four points behind the L.A. Galaxy. So even if they lose, Colorado can't jump them. But again, we talk about games played. Colorado has 17 games played. LA Galaxy will have 19 games played. There are two games there, and it's important for the Galaxy to pick up as many points in August as they possibly can because I already went over the September schedule. Well, this, this is important. Momentum, the Galaxy unbeaten streak now is what, three games? Uh, four. Undefeated in four. But but they still have not won three in a row. Correct. Yeah, so um, momentum has been a little bit of a problem. They're starting to pick it up a little bit now, but, you know, those draws, it's a point that helps. Uh, you don't, you know, you, you you drop two points, but you get one. That's fine. I think they need to string some wins together to really make that separation you were talking about. 
Um, uh, it'd be nice for them to, 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 to string three wins together here going into El Tropico because, as you said, any points they can bank in August are going to help them in September. Uh, but, but that's where I really see the Colorado game and then it, the, the momentum carrying into San Jose. Uh, that's where I see the game as being important. Not so much in the standings, it's important. You know, it's important for a lot of other things, but really that momentum, the Galaxy being able to string, you know, consecutive good performances together. Um, that's what I think is important now. Well, uh, Kevin, uh, who's in charge of, uh, of PR over at the LA Galaxy, one of the new guys there who was running the call, gave us a quick stat before we uh, got going with Greg Vanny today. Uh, and I think I wrote it down correctly. So the LA Galaxy's record over the last four games is tied with New England for the best in the league over that period of time. And the plus five goal differential is tied with New York City as best in the league during that span. Um, so that's just to keep an idea of how good the LA Galaxy, and again, we talked about them surging and playing four games undefeated now. That's three wins, one draw during that. Have Colorado visiting a big game for them to win, a big game for them to take points from. Um, for me, this is a game the Galaxy actually have to absolutely, this is the game I focus on if I'm Greg Vanny. You take the Tuesday game and you worry about the Friday game coming out. This is a more difficult game, but it's a six-point game, right? We talk about the six-point games, Kevin. This is a six-point game. You get three points. You're, the, the, the team that's right below you is not uh, does not get three points. That means six-point change overall. And for the LA Galaxy, that could be a really big separation point. I'm with you, Kevin. you got to keep that right. separation going. Right, and because of draw, you each get one point. There's no separation at all. When you're talking about the six points, you get three. You're, the team right behind you falls three further back. A draw, nothing changes. And then a loss, of course, would be disastrous. But the reason the momentum is important and the reason being able to string wins together, yeah, the unbeaten streak is nice, but you need wins. Why? Because when you get to the playoffs, draws don't help you. No. You know, If you're one of those teams, a good team can win two or three games in a row and then lose one and you say, well, well you know, they were a little off that game. You can't be off in the playoffs. You know, If you want to win, you have to string together five, six wins in a row. Um, you can't draw. You can't. You can't lose. And and the Galaxy need to be able to prove to themselves. I think that they can do that. That they can have five or six, you know, solid performances in a row without a letdown. And this is an opportunity to do that again, going into a really important month, September. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. A big reminder on the Friday on Friday, August twentieth, uh, the seven thirty p.m. game against the San Jose Earthquakes. The LA Galaxy will be having Star Wars night. Um, I think there's a poster going on that, so make sure you get your tickets for that. We talked a whole bunch about attendance dropping, some other things. Uh, thanks in part to a lot of group sales numbers. So uh, this is a way for you to get into that park and be there on Friday night. And on Tuesday night, I expect anybody who can make it to make it. But Tuesdays are just weird days to have games in. So this is the only Tuesday currently the LA Galaxy have scheduled. So uh, we'll this is this is it. It's one and done against the Colorado Rapids on a Friday but night do, game don't against they have San Jose. A, don't they have games uh, scheduled for every day of the week this year? Didn't I read that stat that the Galaxy play at least one game on every day of the week? I was trying to think. I don't think they play on. I don't think they've played on a Thursday this year, Kevin. I think okay. that I think that might be the one. And I looked at it and I actually had that chart somewhere um, and I deleted it off of where I'm at right now. But I did have it. I think maybe there wasn't a Thursday game, but otherwise every other day of the week there was a game. Uh, and usually there is a Thursday but this year there wasn't a Thursday. I think the Thursday might have been the only one, although uh, I could also be wrong and misremembering that. But as of right now, um, I think the Tuesday was one of the days that the Galaxy hadn't played on. There's only one. Um, and then Thursday, there weren't any. But again, that chart was like at my fingertips today and I deleted it because I'm like, ah, I won't need it. Nobody's going to ask about it. That's how that's how it usually works whenever you go through these things. All right. Uh, Kevin, anything else? You ready to be done? 
Yeah, I'm not right now. I'm disembodied anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, it probably makes sense. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Uh, go on over to LA Times where you could get all of Kevin's wonderful, uh, magical writing that he does over there uh, for all that stuff. So please go ahead. Uh, check out Kevin at LATimes.com. Uh, he does a great job over there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S. M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com. We have the full press conference up there. We have a Larry Morgan article coming out as soon as I'm done with this show. So you're going to want to check that out as well. And we're getting you ready for this Colorado game coming up Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. We'll see you at the stadium. All right, busy week for the LA Galaxy. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato-Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.